Well, I'm not a crook. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I have a dream. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. It transcends the senses. This is Murder of Grey. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And this is the Murder of Grey podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week as we dive into another set of moral and ethical dilemmas. And we have a doozy for you guys. This is going to be a slightly emotionally charged one. At least I feel like it is. Uh, This story really impacted me on a very high level. It was something that I did not expect to feel so much for or to learn so much about. And it is a topic that we have touched on quite a few times, actually. Uh, We keep diving back into this because I feel like, I mean, this era in our lives, in our world, is so chock full of so many dilemmas, and it's still recent enough to be incredibly relatable. And that is, of course, the Holocaust. So we are venturing back into that realm uh, during World War II, you know, all the horrible things that the Nazis did. And we are going to be traveling specifically to Auschwitz, which is notoriously known to be one of the worst uh, concentration camps that ever existed. The things that they did there are completely unspeakable. And they're, before hearing this story, I really felt like I had a grasp of what they did in those camps. And then this kind of opened my eyes to something completely different that I didn't know happened there, but it didn't surprise me in the Mm -hmm. slightest. But it just, it really, really impacted me pretty hard. So We're going to be talking about Harry Haft. And for those of you who are keeping up with mainstream media and movies, Harry Haft does have a movie that just came out. It's called The Survivor. And that is what inspired this conversation today. And we definitely recommend watching The Survivor. It's a fantastic story. But it's actually based on the book that his son had written. And uh, the son, gosh, I feel so bad for his son. Uh, His son had no idea all the things that his father went through until very late in his life in 2003, uh, which is very, very crazy. And he said it explained a lot of the way that his father reacted to situations and how he would get very aggressive very quickly. And he then felt terribly sorry for his father and just understood him on a much deeper level, which shows, you know, how important communication is. But I totally understand where Harry came from when he didn't want to talk about that side of his life, because it is a very traumatic, traumatic experience. So before we start diving into the nitty gritty details, uh, I know you watched the movie. I did as well. Did an extra mm-hmm. research on the side. But what's your initial reaction to hearing something that I feel is so different than what we usually hear what, that comes out of Auschwitz or the Holocaust? I I grew up learning about it um, because, well... My mom's German, so she always wanted to kind of teach me German history as well as, you know, American history, like what we're taught in school. Mm -hmm. And I remember when it came to the Holocaust, she kind of like 
really wanted to make sure I knew, you know, a lot of the the wrongs there and how, you know, it showed the evil that humanity can do and, you know, to to not hide it, right? To mm-hmm. make it open. And there's so many things over time that I've learned that I'm like, I feel like I'd be surprised about, but at the same time, I'm not just because of how bad it was. Right. I mean, when we did that one episode on the human experiments, I was like, wow. Like, I kind of knew that stuff happened, but I didn't know in that detail. Right. And then, like, with this story, it it honestly makes sense that that happened there because it that kind of situation seems like something that would happen in any like POW camp or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can even find these kind of things on the dark web where there's recordings of fights like this. And it's like, it's, it's disgusting that, you know, especially then when it was like prisoners who were already malnourished and had like no hope were subjected to this. And it's yeah. just, it was surprising. You know, the movie, it was when you first told me about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know about like a Holocaust movie. Cause I'm like, for me, it's like, I know the horrors that happened there. And I feel like it's always a really tough watch. Usually, you know, you think back to Schindler's list and the boy in the striped pajamas, the pianist. Yeah. All those. Oh, ones. I forgot about the pianist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this one and this one, it, the the gritty moments it had it really did show emotion and made you you know feel for the main character and the people there in general like it was i thought the movie was shot really well Mm -hmm. and it was really interesting take because it was somber but at the same time it was there's that glimpse of hope that pervaded throughout the entire film right Yes. Like, I think that was the big difference that at least I felt between this movie and, you know, other Holocaust movies. Because when it first got put on, I was like you. I was like, oh, another Holocaust movie. And my wife just put it on. And I was like, eh, like, I don't know. We'll see. And then I got instantly hooked with this film. The way it was shot, it was gorgeous. But it really did, like, it was a Holocaust movie that still had some semblance of hope. Like, not giving up persevering fighting through everything that is thrown at you to just survive and thrive and i thought that was done very like beautifully in this film like the message came across across clear in my opinion yeah and it's you know it's interesting thinking that this was a real story you know it's i think that granted anyone that's survived in that area or that setting you know any of the camps it's you know it it almost sounds unbelievable because it just sounds so extreme but at Mm -hmm. the same time like it's we need to hear this stuff so we can prevent this kind that kind of evil being brought back into the world you know like it's not like we can prevent or it's not like you know, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, we can see the red flags, right? Yeah. You know, and that, that's what's important. You know, it's good to start to see, like, where the roots start forming 
so we can just prevent this from happening again. And granted, in some areas of the world, I don't want to say somewhat similar stuff happens, but it there are camps and there are stuff too. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, concentration different. camps are not new. Like I mean, we've had yeah. them in California when they threw all the Japanese yep. in there as well, and you know the history tried to hide that too and it still is hiding it and trying to keep that out of our history books right because it was a black mark on american history and living in california like we even don't know that much about it unless you start digging for it and it's it's harsh it's really horrible thing to think about so it's it's one of those things that we just we need to be able to anticipate the red flags see them and react accordingly to them and the best way to do that is with your voice and your vote and all that crazy stuff. You know, this isn't like a PSA to go out and vote, but like it <laughs> is very important to understand the history of how this could have happened, what happened and what we can do to prevent it. But anyway, I think it's time to actually dive into this man's story because it is pretty unbelievable in my opinion. And so uh, Harry Haft, who actually his real name was uh, Hertzko. Let's go Haft. Uh, he was mm-hmm. born in Poland. And at, in 1942, he ended up being imprisoned in some Nazi slave labor camps. And he ended up being in Auschwitz. So he actually was moved around quite a bit uh, from camp to camp at first. And he ended up in Auschwitz, unfortunately for him. Now, the entire time that he was in these camps, he held on to the undying hope and idea that the woman that he loved at the time was still alive. And he really held on to that and made it clear that this is his mission, that he needs to survive to make sure that she is safe. It's all he wants to know is that she is alive and safe, right? And of course, if you don't know about the concentration camps, if you're not familiar with those, they were separated, they were segregated men and women. So you would never know if like a lover, a wife, a child, if they were the opposite sex, you would never know if they were actually still alive. So you just have to hold on to that idea of hope to push you through each and every single day. So Due to his extremely strong st- stature, even though he was immense or, you know, starving, uh, he was still a very strong man. Uh, one of the SS overseers actually trained him how to box. So this is where the story gets very interesting and, and different than any other uh, Holocaust story that I've heard. So yeah. they basically had gladiator style matches or think like dogfights, right? where the SS overseers trained or picked different fighters, um, just different Jewish inmates, and actually pitted them against each other in a fight to the death for food rations. And it was a way to get extra food, like which, you know, was the only thing to keep you alive at that time, whether it was food or cigarettes or things like that, things that they could trade with the, you know, the SS overseers or whatever it may be, just anything to survive. So Harry took this as an opportunity to, you know, keep his strength up and to keep himself alive throughout these horrible times. Now, I'm going to flash into the movie real quick because it's not clear that this was an actual scene or an actual event that happened. But the movie, this scene hit me so hard and it actually brought me to tears because my partner, of course, asked, you know, that horrible dancing question of what would you do if that was me? 
you know, and it just really got to me. But the way in the movie that the he ended up getting his boxing trainer um, was that while they were, you know, putting the dead into the pits, because during those times, the Jewish inmates had to dig the pits for the dead bodies themselves. Uh, one of his friends actually saw his wife in the pile. Right. And uh, just just thinking about that idea because it's in direct like a mere reflection of Harry's situation currently where he is trying to survive so hard to make sure that his lover is alive and then he sees his friends like witness the fact that his wife is now dead right probably the one and only thing that was keeping him alive and keeping him going throughout this entire ordeal was the idea that his wife might be alive in the other camp still Right. And then to see her body just there. And I, I, you know, this one really, really got to me because I would break in that situation. I think, you know, like really like this, I think this was like the first dilemma that popped up in the movie that really, really hit me hard was the idea of if you saw your loved one dead, what would you do? Right. That was the last mm. thing keeping you sane, maybe. Right. Like, was the idea that I need to be strong for my family. And then knowing that your family is now dead because you are digging their literal grave. Right. Uh, God. Like, I, I personally feel like I would break at that moment. That would have been it for me. Like, what else do I possibly have to live for? I mean, I could try and survive to tell their story, but they're gone and I'm forced to stare them in the face knowing that they went through some horrible ordeals and maybe went through even some tragic things that I would never know, right? There's so many unknowns and you weren't there for their dying breath. And now you're just, you find them in a pile of bodies like that, like that one really hit me hard. I don't know. Like how, how would you react if, you know, that was your wife, right? Or your loved one. Uh. But I was kind of thinking that too, and I watched it, and you know, it's for a moment I'd be like, you know, it it would almost be easier to play like a I don't say Romeo and Juliet, but to just go with them and yeah, to end it know? there, right? You're like, nope. But deep down, I know that she wouldn't want me to do that. You know, she wants me to carry on and get through it. That's right. You know, in a setting like that, it's a little different because, I mean, you already feel really hopeless that you're going to make it. So it's like you would want to take the more direct approach, honestly, like in that setting, like it's almost like being free regretfully. But yeah, yeah, that's I, that's another terrible thing to, or way to think about it. Right. Is that that is a source of freedom. Right. You are no longer tortured. You're no longer going through this horrible ordeal that probably felt like a waking nightmare every second of their lives. Like that's a weird sense of freedom is to just end it. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's so hard. That's so much to deal with. Ugh. And I mean, kind of going into um, like Henry, like, you know, Harry. if you want Harry. Yeah, Harry, my bad. Um, sounds so close. Um, like, think about this. Like, if you had to fight people in hopes that you would be free, would you do it? Right. 
And it's not just people, right? It's your own brothers that are going exactly. through the same situation. So after this ordeal in the movie where, you know, like Harry ends up fighting a bunch of guards because the husband obviously is distraught and doesn't want to get up. So the guards keep threatening him to tell him to keep working. He's told to get up. So Harry stands up for him and fights the guards off. Right. And this is when mm -hmm. his boxing coach like finds him and starts training him. Now, Harry is then pinned up against various uh, Jewish inmates as well. And now tasked with the ordeal of do I fight my own brothers to survive? Because after every fight, they are either led to a gas chamber or they're shot on sight. So like that is the ending of the fight. There is no other way around it. It's just like, it's literally a fight to the death. And like, that's such a hard thing to think about. But I mean, you could like kind of skew your thought process of it, right? Of you being their savior, um, of you letting them get out of this ordeal, right? And uh, actually, there's a very emotionally charged scene in the movie where there's a conversation during a boxing match that this does happen. And that was oh, a very yeah. intense scene as well. Like, there's a lot mm -hmm. to this movie that was just very impactful. Uh, that was, oh, gosh, that was really hard. Don't want to go into, like, too crazy of spoilers, but it's kind of hard not to because this man's life is just so interesting. But definitely would, like I said earlier, recommend this movie to everybody who's listening because it is a very interesting one to watch. But so Harry does go through this, and he ends up managing to survive by fighting. Um, he fights everybody that they are put that is put in front of him so that he can continue to survive. Now he is getting a lot of backlash as well from the, his fellow inmates because obviously he's killing his own brothers and people know that this is going on. It's not like a hidden thing. It's out in the open. It's pretty obvious. So it's, it, it, that's another like hard thing to, you know, have on your conscience at all times. When you look your fellow brother in the face, not little brother, but you know what I mean? Uh, but like look them in the face and they know that you are, you are directly responsible for the death of a friend, right? Like it was by your hands that this happened and he had to still sleep at night and wake up and feed himself and get back in the ring and keep going just to survive. And, you know, like you could say, like the, from the other side of the coin, that the people who were judging him just didn't understand where he's coming from. Everyone's there to survive their own way. And this is the way that he found the best way for his survival. So it's kind of hard to really like blame him or get mad at him, in my opinion. But I could see in the moment like being you know, just acting on pure instinct, I would be furious with him. Like I would not trust him. I would not yeah. want him around me. You know, like he is a death bringer for people. And it's, it's a lot to kind of deal with. So that, that's yeah, a go good word. Death bringer. Like yeah. it, it, he really is kind of like the grim reaper yeah. for everyone there. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it would be hard not to hate him. You know, I mean, you could argue with yourself like, oh, he's forced to do it. But I mean, at the same time, it's like if he actually stood up. He still has it, a choice, right? Yeah. But the ultimately his choice thing is to fight back. Right. His choice would be fight or die. Right. And he chose mm -hmm. fight. So can't. I, I don't know. Like 
it, it is very difficult to it would be really difficult to sleep next to somebody, let alone share a bunk that you know that tomorrow you could be picked <laughs> up and said, hey, you're going in the ring with this man. And you just know from his record, from his stature that and the fact that he's been eating more, that he is physically stronger and he's already been, has the, the mentality to, you know, end a fight. Like it, it, that would be really hard to, you know, be able to share a room with that man. Mm hmm. So he actually did this for two years and uh, half ended up fighting a total of 76 fights while he was Genius. in Auschwitz. So think about that. He fought 76 times, won 76 times, but that also means that he's directly responsible for 76 deaths of his fellow Jewish inmates. Wow, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, it's, it's insane to think about that. Like, that's so crazy. Now, during this time, there was also a lot of things called death marches, right, to Germany. So mm -hmm. it was basically just a a march of inmates to and from different camps and they weren't given any food resources. They just had to walk their way through with the clothes they had on their back through weather, through everything, through all the harshness. So it was called a death march because a lot of people didn't make it. And in 1945, uh, he <coughs> have to manage to escape one of these death marches. And in the, the way that he escaped, he ran out, he was able to run away, luckily, um, for him, at least. And he killed a German soldier that was bathing in a river, took his uniform, and then went into a local village and was pretending to be a German soldier for a little while. And mm -hmm. uh, he did this for, I believe, a couple years. Um I think it was like two two years that he was doing this. So from 1945 to 1947, he was going from village to village. And actually, there was one very tragic point in the story that obviously wasn't included into the movie because it kind of makes Harry out to a little bit of a monster. So I'm going to leave this guy's up to your judgment. You might not know this, Chris, as well. So I'm kind of curious to see what your reaction is. Probably to this. not. So at one point, Harry... Harry was um, housed by two elderly people. He was harbored mm -hmm. by them on a on a small farm. And uh, Harry thought that they found out that he wasn't German. So he killed the two elderly people oh, there um, just because he was afraid of being found out. So he killed and fled. Um, so that wasn't a killing for survival. It wasn't a boxing match. It was... He literally just kind of killed him in cold blood instead of running away. So I, that one was a little hard to to hear about and read about. But I'm I'm kind of curious to what your reaction, knowing the life of him from the movie itself, and then kind of hearing mm -hmm. that right, like w they really put him in a high light as far as he's doing this to survive. And you could argue that he did this to survive as well, but he could have just ran right. Mm -hmm. but I, I don't know what do you think about harry's mentality at that point it's interesting they didn't include something like that um but for a minute i was like oh i could kind of see the reasoning you know because you're in that state of like if i get sent back like i am dead you know like it, there is that fear but at the same time, like, you could just run away, you know? It's not like those people housing you know your number or who you are and report you, you know? It's not like, 
I don't know, like, you didn't have to kill them because it wasn't really a threat. You know, you could, you could have just ran away. Right. Totally. And it's, you know, judging on his past in the movie, I mean, you can kind of see it. Yeah, There's he, times he in the movie where he, anger. like, mm-hmm. yeah, and if he gets scared, he's going to get angry, you know? So it, it, it kind of makes sense that he would do that, but it's mm-hmm. interesting because I didn't know that. So it's kind of like, yeah. I don't say it changes the view a little bit. Like, it makes, it's weird because the movie... It makes you want to think, oh, he's a, he's a hero. You know, he was mm-hmm. able to make it through. But at the same time, it's like, no, this guy was killing his own people, too. Like, he's mm-hmm. not, he's like that gray area. Yeah. I wouldn't call him hero. a hero. He's just yeah. a survivor. Right. And But adding in, like, killing people like that, it's like, you got to do what you got to do. But there's a point also where you kind of take it too far. Right. The movie does allude to the how he escaped um, as being a very like dark part of his life, uh, but mm-hmm. it never actually goes into detail about it. There's just a scene of him actually running away from one of the death marches, but it doesn't go into the aftermath. And I think they did that intentionally. They want you to know mm-hmm. that the way that he escaped was very, very wrong, and that Harry felt an incredible remorse for how he survived and got out of there. But they never really went into too much detail as to exactly how he did it, where he killed a German soldier, uh, took his uniform, bounced from village to village, and then ended up killing two elderly people that were harboring him in fear of being found out. So it's it's a little it's a little tough to hear the actual like way that he got out. Yeah. So after this. Harry actually continues boxing, um, and he was doing it in Europe, and he actually was having a pretty good career. There isn't really stats on his fights there, uh, but it actually got him his ticket to America. So in uh, with his help from an uncle that lives in New Jersey uh, in 1948, he was able to immigrate to the U.S. and be a pro boxer right off the start. So like he actually had enough matches under his belt to become a pro boxer right away. So that was his his ticket. Right. Um, And while he was here, he, you know, ends up meeting his future wife and all that. But the entire time that he's still looking for his lover from, you know, Auschwitz, because he still doesn't know if she survived or not. And he, you know, made a promise that he was going to find her one day. So. Mm -hmm. His thought process was if I because it's, you know, back then we didn't have they didn't have an Internet. They didn't have an easy way of reaching out to people. You don't know where they're going to be. Everyone changed their name. You know, if they escaped a camp, they definitely weren't going to go by the same Jewish name that they were going be by before. So he had no way of really finding her at all. He had no idea who she was, where she was or any of that. So he thought it would be a good idea to get his name in the paper. And he went by Harry Haft at that time. And that was the name that was given to him on Ellis Island. And it, he was hoping that getting his picture and his name would at least, you know, help him find her in some way. So during his uh, during his professional time as a boxer, he, you know, he had 25 different fights. Uh, he went a total of 104 rounds 
Now, think about this, like boxing is very, very intense. And nowadays we have very padded boxing gloves that still cause insane damage to the body. Back then, they didn't have that much padding. It was basically just leather mitts that they wore. And he went 104 rounds. Um, he had 13 Jeez. wins, 8 by KO. And he had 8 losses that were 5 by KO. And this guy was a pretty big dude. Like, And he had some very uh, interesting fights. And actually, one of the fights that he had, he went up against Rocky himself. Or at least the the Rocky that inspired the Sylvester Stallone movies. And this was a real boxer who ended up becoming a, uh, a heavyweight prize fighter or a heavyweight champion. So, and it was one of Harry's last fights, actually. It was the fight that drove him to retire from boxing. But he did end up getting into the paper and still never actually found the person that he was looking for. Um, but he did start a family with his new wife. He ended up having a boy as well. And uh, when he retired from boxing, he opened up a grocery store uh, in New York, I believe. It was New York, New Jersey, one of those areas. But yeah, it was in Jersey, yeah. New Jersey, yeah. And so he opened up a grocery store that did pretty well. Um, and throughout his entire life, or at least the life of his child, his boy, his boy remembered him as a very angry and aggressive father. He would strike out at him. Um, he was very strict, very stern very short with his temper. Um, and his son admits that he hated his father his entire life, that he never understood him in a very impactful, meaningful way. So much later in his life, they do end up moving to Florida, which I thought this was pretty funny. They lived in Pembroke Pines, and they were actually living in Pembroke Pines, Florida, when I was living out there, which I thought was huh. kind of cool. Um, that was the area that I lived i went to high school it's kind of trippy i was like oh weird uh but he, uh harry actually told his full story to his son in 2003 so his son was already a full-grown man you know harry was uh he had cancer at that time and he wanted to make sure that his boy knew his story and it was more of a like explanation as to why he acted the way he did like, he finally wanted to have his son know the real reason behind it. And I think this was a very impactful moment and a very beautiful moment because in reaction to Harry telling his son his story, his son ended up writing him a letter, and it was an apology letter for not understanding him. And mm -hmm. then now understanding where he's coming from, which I thought was a very beautiful thing. And Harry yeah. does pass away in 2007 of cancer, uh, unfortunately. And then there's a slew of things that happen afterwards where the letter that he wrote, his son wrote, ended up getting published as a book, um, which is a very, very amazing book. I definitely recommend it. They have audiobook as well available for all you guys who prefer listening formats like myself. And uh, they actually made a graphic novel of his story, too. Uh, it came out in 2011, and it was actually published in Germany first, which I thought mm. was very, very interesting. But it kind of makes sense, and it kind of harkens back to what you mentioned earlier, coming from a German background, of your mom wanting you to know the atrocities of man, right? So it kind of mm -hmm. makes sense that a German publicist wants a story like this to come out to give more light to what happened in that situation. So that was really a beautiful thing in its own right. And the graphic novel looks really cool as well. The art is very interesting. It kind of, I, I haven't looked too far into it, but it, I'm wondering if it has the same vibes as like Mouse 
if you remember that one, mm, you mm-hmm. know, or it's a very, like, very gritty real story, but used in uh, the artistic style is a little bit more simple and cartoonish. So I'm kind of yeah. curious about that one. So I definitely will be checking that one out. But yeah, like Harry's life is a very interesting one and a very different story than what we would normally hear from the Holocaust, from Auschwitz. And I think that's what makes it so impactful because like, yes, we all want to, like, I I feel like we can all understand the idea of wanting to survive a situation and doing anything we can to, you know, survive it. But every story that has been given to us has been a lot of hiding and, you know, like, things like that, right? There was never a story of someone fighting back or fighting to survive on this kind of level, right? And I think that's what makes his story that much more impactful. It's the other side of the coin of the fight or flight response. And he chose fight and he continued with it. And it's kind of crazy that he continued his boxing training even after going through this horrible ordeal, which I think is a very interesting question to propose as well. If you just got out of a concentration camp, you just had 76 fights under your belt where you know that you killed 76 people, would you continue boxing? Right? Like that's that's a tough question to ask there, right? Like it yeah. you're you're taking the tools that you learned from a German SS soldier to kill your fellow Jewish, you know, brethren and like would you continue boxing i don't know if i would uh, what do you think about that i mean it makes sense because that's all he knew to do you know think about it like if you're good at something regretfully even if it's bad like that it it'd be another way for him to survive you know even though he'd be out in the free world the world isn't so free you know so utilizing something you know you're good at it it makes sense that he would continue doing that. I mean, it is a little weird, but it's it's weirdly understandable. Um, it's true. Something I thought kind of interesting is when they were talking about his, I don't say mentor, but the guard that was talking to him, mm-hmm. and they had this conversation about how like he didn't really agree with like Hitler's view of like you know the race thing and all that Mm. but he just looked at like the power side of it and wanting like Germany to be stronger than other people and it's interesting because it it makes you think about other countries and timelines where it's like people you know how many people in that at that time were not they didn't want the racial part of it or mm-hmm. you know the death but they wanted the the power to just be stronger than someone else you know the the hammer to the anvil like they say mm-hmm. and it makes you think nowadays too like are people still like that or it's like they just want the power or are people actually you know like racially charged you know obviously it's just another form of nationalism but Mm -hmm. it's it was interesting that they brought that up especially at that moment and i was like damn like it's really an issue that we still kind of battle with yeah i i 
totally can see that happening. I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no way in hell every single member of that army or military force was 100% on board with everything that was going on, right? Like, yeah. you can't be. If you're just any basic human being cannot be 100% on board with all that. Like, even look at the stuff with Russia and Ukraine right now, right? How many mm-hmm. Russian military members actually believe that what Putin is spewing out, right? Or like even in our military now, like a lot of people join the military because they want to protect their country. Does it mean that they follow the ideals 100% of the president that is calling the shots? No, right? Imagine you are a Republican under a Democratic president. Your views are skewed, right? But if you get an order Mm -hmm. to go out and fight, you're going to go out and fight, right? Like, you're not going to leave the military because, oh, I don't agree with, you know, his viewpoint on it because, like, they're there to, like, keep their country alive because they have so much pride in the country. Right? I, that's how I kind of view the military force. Like, a lot of yeah. those guys are just very prideful of, it's, yeah, it's extreme nationalism, right? Like, they just extremely prideful of where they come from and they want to protect those freedoms that they have, as they say, right? It might not be 100%. But yeah, like you're not going to share the ideals of your leaders. And it's uh, you can even take that back to um, basic management, right? Like sometimes you're tasked with something that you need to do at a job that you don't 100% agree with. And maybe your you know managers don't agree with it as well. But the CEOs and the guys calling the shots think it would be a great idea. So what do you do? You implement it, you follow through with the plan, you see it to execution. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, oh well, then we have to report back, right? So like it's kind of one of those things that it's the same same thought process and same follow through in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a very interesting story. And I yeah, can't cannot recommend this enough. It's it's definitely one of those that I, I think puts a different light on the situation that happened in the past. And it, it brings up a lot of very interesting questions and it made me think about different ways in which I would have sur- tried to survive that situation. Uh, think about ways in which I would have never thought of before, which I thought very interesting and very impactful. So I do really want to say, you know, thank you to Harry for the life that he led. Um, and we, you know, our hearts are out there for all the people who had to go through that ordeal of the Holocaust or even something very similar. Like I have family members that could have been in concentration camps here if it wasn't for, you know, leaving the Guam. And it's, it's very, it it does hit hard um, whenever I start thinking about those things. So this is a very interesting story for me at least, but yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Hope you guys enjoy this little conversation and we will be talking to you again next week with our next set of moral and ethical dilemmas. Bye for now.